everybody welcome on into the check your brain podcast wherever you are listening to this whether it's on patreon at patreon.com slash tony mazer where you can get podcasts four sometimes five times a week all throughout the week you get podcasts for just five bucks a month but then you get an extra podcast every friday if you are subscribed to my upper tiers the 10 20 and whatever money you want to give me here on these uh, on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Why is it named that? Well, because my name is Tony Mazer. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today on this fine, uh, well, whatever day I'm recording this, I don't know. Whatever time you're listening to this, I don't know. But I appreciate you folks for being here. And uh, I think I might put this out for free if it goes pretty well. Put it on all these social media apps and the podcast apps and platforms and everything. So uh, open this show here with smoking by boston just another band out of boston and what are we talking about we're talking smoking today smoking yes as uh if you were watching on the video right now i have the marlboro country come to where the flavor is and you have uh, about three cowboys probably in montana or idaho somewhere and uh, i don't know are they sharing a cigarette or is he like passing a lighter? I don't know what's going on, but these cowboys they got their their jean jackets on. And not only this fella, he's, he has the jean shirt with a leather vest on. And they're all hatted like they're Mel Blunt from the <laughs> from Pittsburgh Steelers. Because, you know, they're cattle ranchers and, you know, they're they're uh, they, they got the ropes. They got their bags and their satchels and they're just having a cigarette. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast because it's it's kind of evergreen. It's something I always talk about is how I truly believe sports in general. As a, It's on my pinned tweet, by the way. So this is my pinned tweet. If you follow me on Twitter, it says, I've come to the conclusion that pro sports were better overall when Marlboro ads were on the scoreboard. So I'm going to go through some of these photos. And this is a, part, a podcast that's part sports and part cigarettes and tobacco and advertising that I wanted to do on this podcast. So this is the original tweet, which has, you know, it's 30 retweets. So every so often I get some people retweet, but I, I like it because I just keep this thread going of these former these former stadiums usually. Now, this is Rich Stadium. Well, whatever it is now, it's like it's called Highmark Stadium as of this recording up in Buffalo and uh, Orchard Park, New York. And it was named after Rich Foods. And this was during the early 1990s when the Bills were making four consecutive Super Bowl runs. And when you see Frank Reich throwing to Andre Reid for a touchdown in that 35-3 comeback over the Houston Oilers, you see the Marlboro ad right in the background. Here's another picture. This is Cleveland Stadium. Clearly the Yankees. I think this was probably 1992. I think 91 or 92. Because I, I'm going to go 92 because you see Bernie Williams in center field, Roberto Kelly in left, Mel Hall in right before he was raping women. And that's not an alleged. He really was. Don Mattingly, Steve Sachs, Alvaro Espinosa, Jim Layritz, who they couldn't find a position for him, whether he was catching outfield DH, but he would always show up in the playoffs. Matt Noakes behind the plate and uh, I don't, Johnson. I don't know who that was. Uh, but that's old Cleveland Stadium. And that's what I remember when I went to my first game, which was also 1992. That was one of the first things I remembered was it was July 3rd, 92. Charles Nagy versus Oakland A starter Ron Darling. And uh, I think the Indians actually played very well in that game and beat the, the A's nine to one. But I remembered being down there and looking at that big scoreboard and the big Marlboro ad in center field. Uh, this is at Old Candlestick Park during a game against the San Francisco 49ers. And sure enough, at Candlestick, whether it's baseball or football, they had the big Marlboro ad right there. And I, I'm going to get to why we would see these in a lot of sports and that they, they would really pop up. Here's Shea Stadium with Keith, Hernan Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez is also a longtime smoker, too. Just ask uh, Elaine. <laughs> Shea Stadium had the big Marlboro ad that was over in left field that you would see in plain view on the cameras. 
and I'm going to scroll through others because I also had Winston ads. This was one. This was at Old Comiskey Park until 1990. Had the Winston, and there was a commercial back in the early 1960s of the Flintstones, a cartoon show advertising Winston cigarettes. After all, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. So yeah, you would see some parks had Winston. This was, I think, this is Milwaukee. This is Old County Stadium. I believe, or is it Minnesota? I'm not sure. No, no, it is Milwaukee. I'm, I'm, how about you pay attention, Tony, to the, you know, the MB Milwaukee County Stadium. Gee, I wonder where it is. Here's, uh, this is old, uh, well, they're all old. This is in Baltimore. This is old Olymp uh, Memorial Stadium. And that is the Oakland Coliseum before Al Davis came in and ruined the center field. Actually, it didn't seem like a terrible stadium in Oakland where you had that grass berm and you could kind of see the hills. And then all of a sudden, Al Davis wants to bring the Raiders back to Oakland and he makes this Mount Davis and the place ends up looking like a dump. I'm not going to go through all these, but uh, I, I just posted this one the other day. Also, Winston must have pulled out sometime in the 90s and then Marlboro came in at the old stadium of uh county stadium which is now like a i think it's a little league park next to miller it's not miller park i think it's called american family field or whatever Ugh, not very good this is actually during a packers game the last game that the packers played at county stadium against the atlanta falcons with brett Favre. this is during the northridge earthquake in 1994 that happened on martin luther king day and the uh, which I got to get Earl Skakel on to tell his story again about he saved Faye Ray in his apartment complex. But this was at Anaheim. This is, they said, 62 miles from the epicenter in Reseda, which was actually where the uh, the earthquake was. Like they said it was the Northridge earthquake, but it was actually technically in Reseda, not far from where Perry Caravello lives on uh, 7722 Reseda Boulevard. <laughs> Phillies, here's Kent to this is a veteran stadium, Kent even though they kind of blocked it out, but you can clearly tell that's a Marlboro ad in the background. And this is during the, uh, looks like 1993, because, and I believe that's the 93 NLCS, Ron Gant and Fred McGriff playing on the same team with the Marlboro ad in center field. Then, you know, and then a friend of mine posted how Winston and Camel and Marlboro, and we'll get to Camel in a little bit as well, used to sponsor the, uh, uh, you know, the the racing. There's Jose Canseco ball bounced off his head. There were a lot of great moments with Marlboro ads in the background. Look, there's there it is right there. Jose Canseco has the ball bounce off his head. And you have the A's winning the World Series in 1989. You also had it in basketball. This isn't just football and baseball, but in basketball. So you have the Showtime Lakers here in this time at the old uh, the Western Great Western Forum in Inglewood. This is a game in 1993, Boston versus the Charlotte Hornets in the playoffs. Right there in the background. And I, I can go through all these. This is from Men in Black, uh, the, the Pirates, and you know the AstroTurf field. Here's Reggie Jackson. It's a classic example. Look at this. 1977 World Series, Charlie Huff on the mound, throws a knuckleball to Reggie Jackson. So how about that? You had Reggie Jackson hits the ball to center field, 475 feet, a knuckleball, killed it on the first pitch. And what do you see in the background? You see the big Marlboro ad. Sid Bream, 1992, Francisco Cabrera. He's the backup catcher. He has to play because Greg Olson's out for the entire series with a broken leg. And you have Damon Berryhill as your main catcher. So they got to put somebody in to pinch hit a free swinger in Francisco Cabrera off Stan Belinda. Get the 2-0, now the 2-1. Just as the score of the tying run. Bring to the play. And he is saved. Saved at the plate. The Braves go to the World Series. So I love that. And they showed it in the background very briefly. But... Um, yeah, I mean, you go through this. Oh, look at Fred McGriff, Benito Santiago, King Griffey Jr. What's in the background at the 1992 uh, Jack Murphy Stadium and at the All-Star Game, Pontiac Silverdome, 
This was down in Florida at the uh, where the Marlins played, which is now called Hard Rock Stadium. I mean, it, look, it, we can just keep going through the whole thing of more great moments. Again, here's Buffalo. And there's a reason I bring all that up is I just feel that at one time, sports in general were way better because and not and wasn't just because they had Marlboro or Winston in the background. It just seemed more competitive. It seemed like an, a different time in America. But we had to ban them. We had to ban all of the stadium advertising when it comes to tobacco. And I was trying to pinpoint when that was. When did we get to a point where we decided collectively to say, hey, guys, we probably shouldn't do this anymore. Uh, and I, I kind of came to the conclusion it was about 1995. Um, I started. You started seeing some ballparks were being built that did not include any cigarette advertising. For example, here in uh, Seattle, the Kingdom decided to get rid of it. The shadowy face of the Marlboro, uh, Marlboro man, cigarette held tightly between his lips, will look down on Kingdom audiences through one more baseball season and through most of a football season. So you're talking about 1994. But the big sign of fixture in King the Kingdom since it opened in 1976 will be gone by December 31st. Tobacco giant Philip Morris, owner of the advertising space for 17 years, yesterday signed an agreement with King County and the Mariners to remove the Marlboro sign from its position near the Kingdom scoreboard and small concourse signs as well by year end. Uh, now, what's interesting about this was, so he's riding off into the sunset. They, people were complaining in those days about cigarette advertising at ballparks. And... You say, well, why? What, what, what's the problem? Well, it's giving kids the wrong idea about smoking. Yeah, that's called advertising. Advertising gives you a strange idea. I mean, it, what, what do you think all of advertising is? Is it supposed to be moral? I mean, I, haven't we thrown morals and ethics out the window completely because of this? So you're going to tell me you cannot. Here, here's the other reason I wanted to do this podcast, because I'm talking about this. Why is it okay to have vape signs everywhere in a vape shop on every corner? Where I live right now, there are so many vape shops. It, it's, it's incredible what's happened this degeneration of our society. We have so many vape shops down the street from me. There's Planet of the, of the Vapes. There's uh, you know Vapor World or Vape This, Vape That. Any kind of play on words, Darth Vapor. That's fine. But you can't have cigarette advertising. No, no, no. Because kids are going to get the wrong idea. It's going to give people the wrong idea as far as smoking goes. So here's why I think about it. So what? You have beer advertising all over the place. You have billboards all across the country. You go to a stadium and it's all filled with booze, every alcohol, anything. It doesn't even just have to be beer. It's vodka. It's tequila. It's this and that. That's fine. As long as in the fine print, they say, please drink responsibly. 21 and older. Winkity wink wink. Because that's it makes no sense. This entire thing makes made no sense. So why why the attacks on the Marlboro man? Why the attacks on cigarette advertising? But we were fine with everything else. So that was the kingdom. This was in, let's see, Marlboro man sign, Marlboro sign removed from the Atlanta Fulton County Stadium in 1996. Gee, isn't that interesting? Because that's the year it closed. <laughs> that's when the Braves moved next door over to Turner Field. Um, Philip Morris will remove a billboard advertising uh, Marlboro cigarettes from Atlanta Fulton County Stadium after the Blaves play their final home game of the season tonight, the Department of Justice announced. So that's what they're going to do. They moved the home plate. And they're going to move the it's like that ceremonial thing where, hey, we're going to take the home plate from the old stadium and then we're going to ceremoniously bring it next door to the new stadium and plop it there because we're just going to keep the tradition going. So they moved home plate and they moved the Marlboro sign. OK, Philip Morris has removed uh, other signs from Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium and other stadiums in the country in the past. The agreement to remove the sign located in left center field resulted from negotiations among the department, the stadium, and Philip Morris, the manufacturer of Marlboro cigarettes. The agreement ensures that the sign will not appear on television during Major League Baseball's upcoming playoffs and World Series if Atlanta appears in the World Series. And that's one, one of the problems that popped up during this whole process. So let's go back in time as far as tobacco advertising. 
this had been a thing basically since baseball began. Since Abner Doubleday, falsely, if you listen to one of my old podcasts, go back in time, Abner Doubleday is known as the father of baseball. Yeah, no, 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 he's not. They don't really exactly know who founded baseball, if it's a an offshoot of cricket or whatever the case, but they falsely attributed the major what baseball was, not just Major League Baseball, but just baseball in general to Abner Doubleday. Uh, don't know why, but he was just around there like, yeah, I think he knew something about baseball. Let's make him the founder of baseball. But all throughout the 20s and 30s and 40s, you would see tobacco advertising on the outfield walls at stadiums, whether it's the Baker Bowl, Connie Mack Stadium, Polo Grounds, even Fenway Park. People forget about this. The, the green monster in left field used to be filled with all advertising. Then they made it green for a long time, and now they're slowly putting the advertising back on the wall at uh, Fenway Park. But in those days, whether it's Ebbets Field or the old school stadiums, Briggs Stadium, which turned into Tiger Stadium in Detroit, their outfield walls would have, well, maybe not Briggs because there wasn't too much of a, a wall up there for advertising, but it would you would have like Chesterfield cigarettes or some kind of tobacco you put in your pipe. And no one thought two things about it because Everybody smoked in those days. Well, by and then you had commercials, you had TV shows that were backed by Philip Morris. You had the you had the Camel Caravan. You had shows that were brought to you by uh, Lucy and Desi used to advertise. Like I mentioned about the Flintstones, Lucy and Desi used to advertise for Philip Morris. And Lucille Ball, I love my cigarettes. This is really good. <laughs> it was not an uncommon thing to see back in those days. Well, by the end of the 60s and into, into the early 70s, and I believe it was 1971, there was a landmark case that you could not advertise your tobacco products on television anymore. They decided, so in just as early as 10, 15 years earlier, you would have commercials that would say, well, you know, four out of five doctors recommend you smoke a lucky. And the other one is probably gay. But gay is good because happy, you know, because it's the 50s still. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, about a decade later, they said, hey, guys, we're noticing that smoking probably isn't as good for you. Like, we're, we're not saying you shouldn't smoke, but probably should put some warning labels or some kind of disclaimer on our packaging. And one of the big landmark cases was in the early 1970s to cut it from television. So you can't have, hey, we're going to go to commercial break during Johnny Carson and go over to an ad for, you know, uh, for cool cigarettes or Newports, couldn't do that. And things really changed after that. However, the placement of these ads at stadiums were really big or on TV cameras. So for example, when you go to a sporting event, you could, up until the sometime, probably about 2000, you could still smoke in your seat at a baseball game or a football game. And it kind of works because you're, if you're a sports fan, where do you go? It's kind of interesting in the 70s, a lot of these stadiums looked like ashtrays, whether you were at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia, you were at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, Three Rivers in Pittsburgh, the aforementioned Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, St. Louis was also the same way with Bush Stadium. They all look like concrete donuts because they were multi-purpose facilities. And the uh, so you would go there to see a football game, a baseball game, a rock concert. What do you do at those three events? Probably drink and you smoke. So that's a great way to get your product out there on top of magazines and regular outdoor billboards. But because that's what I remember. I remember growing up and driving by because I live in the Cleveland area and I would go see my grandmother and I remember seeing this cool cigarettes billboard for. I would probably say from one of my, it really is one of my first memories up until about 1999. And it would drive and I would see this cool billboard, K-O-O-L. And it would be usually a multiracial couple that's out to brunch outdoors on a patio, laughing and smoking cigarettes. And it, it looked cool, but I never looked at that and said, huh, gee, that looks fun. I'm going to start smoking because I had half a brain. Now, we realize when it comes to propaganda nowadays, people are easily swayed by advertising. They're swayed by 
uh, public opinion, propaganda, uh, expert classes and their opinions on certain things. It um, it was kind of fascinating to look at that in those days because I, I just thought it was kind of a cool billboard, like literally cool, K-O-O-L. But it never got me into going like, gosh, maybe I'm going to smoke. Why? My mom smoked. My mom still smokes to this day as of this recording. My mom has smoked for probably 50 years. Many times we tried to get her to quit. In fact, even t- probably like eight years ago, we were trying to see if she wanted to get into the vaping stuff. We're kind of finding out that vaping, not as healthy of an option. It's, a, it's not the healthier option. You think, oh, I'm not smoking cigarettes because oh, I don't want to give myself cancer. Hang on. Yeah, keep doing that. Keep getting yourself wet lung. I'm sure that's going to work out for you down the road. And all the kids are vaping. They're, they're just all vaping. Because, you know, again, I don't want to smoke, but I'm going to do this. Because, again, we believe that's the healthier option. It's like going to McDonald's and getting a salad. You realize the Big Mac is probably healthier than the salad that you just got. But don't tell tell anybody about that. I just found it fascinating um, looking at that advertising. And one of the reasons for the stadium advertising that we saw was, hang on, let me go back to this. I'm sharing the screen. Yeah, there we are. Um, I, I I found it fascinating because with them t- with Philip Morris being forced to p- pull their advertising off of television, they had to precariously place these advertisements at their ballparks. So you would look at a game as I showed on showed on television. They would place them in a in an area where it's not on direct, it's not like right behind home plate or it's not on the 50 yard line. But if a ball is kind of hit in the air, you will see it in the background. Atlanta was a great example of that, that I kind of showed very briefly. And that Sid Bream clip is right behind the left field fence was this big Marlboro ad. Then they had one in the outfield and then they had one. So it would show up every so often. Of course it was strategically placed and is that a good thing? Is that they, just like every other business, they're trying to get their product out there and get the, get it some FaceTime. But then by the 90s, people's feelings on cigarettes and everything were changing. And there was a lot of public pressure, as I showed you a little bit ago when I was t- talking about the Kingdome, that, of course, in Seattle, we're going to take the Kingdome sign down. What did they put up instead? So there's no Marlboro man up in left field in 19, after 1994. However, we put a McDonald's billboard because <laughs> that's so much better. We'll take the cigarettes because, you know, cigarettes, that's a killer. So we're going to put up a McDonald's billboard. Makes all the sense because, you know, that's the healthier option. Let's see. Uh, uh, diabetes, heart attack, clogged arteries, everything like that, or lung cancer. What are we going to trade off here? Which vice are we going to trade off? Way to go. I expect nothing, you know, nobody to make sense up there in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, you started seeing by the mid 90s that a lot of ballparks were taking this off. So here you had uh, Fulton County. Then we have another one. Marlboro Man going, going, gone. Marlboro Man thrown out of Candlestick Park, June 7th, 1995. Under an agreement with the U.S. Justice Department, Philip Morris will remove all of its cigarette advertisements at Candlestick and all the other U.S. sporting events out of the range of television cameras. So they weren't necessarily gone. And I re- I just realized this. I was watching a video from 1998. They still had some Marlboro advertisements, but they were not shown on TV cameras. So it was still going on through the 90s up until 1999. It just was not on television. It would have to be like a different camera. So if you're at Candlestick Park and Barry Bonds is hitting a, an opposite or Jeff Kent hits a home run to left field, you're not going to see any Marlboro advertisements. But if they had another camera angle that zoomed in on a place that was kind of behind home plate, but not right behind the home plate in the upper deck, and there was a Marlboro ad, that they would show that briefly, very briefly, but they had to be out of way of the TV cameras. So that's what kind of was all about. So some people got really upset by that. Um, uh, I think, is this the, yeah, it says a federal law passed in 1971 prohibits television advertising of tobacco products. The company denied, denied it, violated or intended to violate the ban. Of course they 
violated the ban. They found a loophole, which was we're not going to advertise on television, but we're going to place them precariously at a stadium that gets picked up on a TV. And it just so happened that the TV cameras picked up on there uh, uh, with this angle. Nevertheless, it agreed to move ads for Marlboro and its other cigarette brands, including Benson and Hedges, Merritt and Virginia Slims, away from the sidelines, the player entrances and other routinely routinely televised during professional games. Um, uh, yeah, it says Giants say they're happy. The settlement affects all baseball, basketball, football, and hockey venues where Philip Morris product uh, ads are visible to television cameras. During the 1993-94 seasons, the government said in court papers Philip Morris' cigarette ads appear in television sporting events in 14 football stadiums, 14 baseball parks, and five basketball arenas. So what? Besides Candlestick, other venues where ads will, will be removed are at Shea Stadium and Yankee Stadium in New York, the Superdome in New Orleans, Tiger Stadium in Detroit, and Atlanta Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, we're... We very much want to send out an anti-smoking message, especially to kids. The signs have been a sticking point, said Larry Bear, uh, executive vice president of the San Francisco Giants. So he's ha- he was happy about it. It's a fantastic ruling, said San Francisco supervisor Angela Aliato, who uh, wrote the smoking ban could affect uh, that took effect in Candlestick in 1993. It was very hypocritical of the city to be taking money from the tobacco industry and banning cigarettes at the same time. This is a great victory for non-smokers' rights and also for the children of the world. See, look, uh, here are my thoughts. Here's another one. Come on. Trying to get back to my screen there. Get away from there. Um, Here are my thoughts. I am not a smoker. I have smoked cigarettes usually when I'm drunk, and it's the bar smoker mentality. I don't mind a a, a good bar smoke. (laughs) We'll get to that here in a second as I'm sharing the screen beforehand. So I'm not a smoker. I smoke cigars. I have smoked cigarettes, but I I don't like them. Tobacco actually makes me pretty ill. I don't do dip. I have dipped before, and it makes me sick. Or if I'm overloaded on tobacco, I had a – several months ago, I had a really strong – I I like weak cigars. I like very mild cigars. I had a very strong one, and it made me sick just because the amount of tobacco, everything. I'm like, oh, God, it just didn't feel right. Okay, call me. Call me whatever you want. It just it had a bad effect on me. So, um, but I'm all for people if they have a vice if they're smoking. I I don't care. It doesn't really bother me. Yes, I do notice the difference from well in Ohio we had a smoking ban in 2006. So I was actually 18. I'm old enough for a couple of months to remember what it was like to smoke in a bar legally. That I was able to go to a concert venue. I actually did this. I was at a rock concert, well, a metal concert, and I smoked a cigar at a at an event, and I could do so legally before the ban went into place back in November or in November of two thousand six. So that was kind of kind of neat, but I did notice a difference of going to a Denny's or a Bob's Big Boy, where smoking sections here, non-smoking sections here. What is there more ventilation over here? Like what? Why? What? What's the? What's the difference? If I sat here, we have a partition that doesn't go all the way up, doesn't block off the room, and then over here, I did notice a difference. I think a lot of people notice differences because if you go to a casino that does allow smoking, you go, oh hey, gosh, why not? Um, you know, you and then you walk and you go, wow, it smells like smoke here. Or if you're a non-smoker and you go to somebody's house who does smoke, like. My mother, if I went to go see my parents, I know when I leave there, my clothes smell like cigarettes just because my parents have lived there for, gosh, almost 18 years. And there's so much smoke that goes on in the house because of my mom that I will leave there and I will smell like I just left a like a like Kramer's party. If you remember on Seinfeld when he had the smoke, he had the smokers lounge at his apartment. So I'm not really but I have. I don't care if you drink. I don't care if you smoke. I don't think it should be criminalized, anything, any of the, just even weed. But it's weird how our priorities and how degenerate we have changed as a culture. So cigarettes, bad, bad, bad. Oh, one, one more thing before I get to that. For folks who want to know, because I, I, I will hear this on podcasts. Like somebody will say, who still smokes nowadays? Who still does that? I don't see anybody smoking. Well, you clearly don't work in the service industry because they all smoke. 
or you work in some kind of blue collar industry, they all smoke. There's a lot of smoking that still happens to this day. Everybody knows the risks and they do it anyways because it's, it's addictive. That's what nicotine does. It's one of the most addictive, if not the most addictive substance. I'm lucky I do not have an addictive personality. But we as a culture have decided cigarettes, bad. Alcohol, good. Vaping, good. Gambling, good. Marijuana, very good. So we've changed so much as a culture where Marlboro ads, Winston ads and magazines and billboards and stadium advertising, bad. We can't do that. But this is brought to you by Stoli Vodka. This is brought to you by uh, Planet of the Vapes. This is brought to you by uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. So we're just, all we're doing is trading one vice for another. We just decided collectively, we, the collective we, decided we cannot have cigarette advertising because it's going to give people the wrong idea. But we do have DraftKings Sportsbook available in your home state. So go gamble, everybody. Gamble away your life savings. Here, here's some, here's $100 in funny money you can go play. Go bet on that parlay. I mean, w- there is no morality with advertising. I just love that reading that from nearly 30 years ago from Candlestick Park. We are proud to send a good message. Well, you do realize that they'll just. Right above that uh, Marlboro ad at Candlestick Park was a Budweiser ad. So what's the killer? How many how many times has your father beaten your mother because of cigarettes and tobacco? I guarantee you, if your dad beats on your mom, it's probably because he's had too much Budweiser. So what's the message? The message was we were told it was passed down that we need to ban cigarette advertising. We need to ban the Marlboro man. He's not allowed to be here. But we're okay, a-okay with the amount of booze that we're going to shill. We're going to sell so much booze because of what we have around stadiums and all across the country. And as long as we put that tiny print that says drink responsibly, then everything's okay. Even though they did that with Marlboro for so many years that they would actually have it on the billboard that says smoking causes cancer. Smoking causes birth defects. Smoking causes this, this, and this. Again, I'm not saying that the Philip Morris people are upstanding. Of course, they're monsters. They were monsters. They continue to be monsters. But they are also like that in the alcohol industry and in gambling and in big marijuana. If you don't, big marijuana. I was in, I mentioned this on one of my podcasts, but since I'm putting this out for free, I may as well talk about it. A couple of weeks ago, I came back from Michigan, and Michigan is a state where marijuana is legalized. And I live in Ohio, Northeast Ohio. So getting to the Ohio or the Ohio-Michigan border on I-75 in just up north of Toledo takes me about an hour and a half from where I'm currently broadcasting this from. So I can conceivably drive an hour and a half, cross the border into Temperance and Erie, uh, Michigan, by the way, um, and get up towards Monroe, Michigan, and get marijuana and drive home. So if I wanted legalized marijuana, all it takes me is about a four-hour round trip because hour and a half, hour and a half, and then I got to go get cash and go buy some stuff. And it's, it's weird how things have changed. I remember back in the day where you had friends or you yourself we're in college and somebody had a joint or a bowl or a bong. You know, this pre-edible days. And you would be sitting in your college dorm and you would wet that towel and you put it under the crack of the door because you don't want the RA knowing that you're smoking weed in your room. So you put the wet towel under the door and then you would have Axe body spray or tag body or whatever it was at the time. And you'll be like, oh yeah, I'm going to smoke weed, but we don't want anyone to know. And it was so still taboo. Oh my God. I don't want, especially I don't want my parents knowing I smoke. I don't want anyone knowing about this. Nowadays, you fast forward 15 plus years later, people are smoking on the street. They're doing edibles. They're doing, and and it's not your grandfather's marijuana, as I talked about. This isn't like smoking grass. This is friggin' almost LSD at this point. And whether it's it was the synthetic marijuana we were hearing at the time and vaping certain things and 
uh, what they're putting in edibles because the edibles actually taste pretty good. I remember the early edibles that you get an edible chocolate. I had a buddy of mine who owned a, a, a chocolate factory. He's like Will. He's like Willy Wonka. He was like Cheech and Chong meets Willy Wonka. Had a chocolate factory in Michigan, outside of Ann Arbor, and it was that had marijuana in it. So I remember trying it, and they still couldn't get it. It tasted good, but you could definitely taste the. You know, it's like oh, clearly there's THC in this. They've gotten really good with the edibles, where it tastes like a Jolly Rancher. It tastes like a Sour Patch Kid, but it has marijuana in it, and that's going to be pretty dangerous for a lot of people there's people who take a lot of that stuff and they start what they call geeking out they're getting geeked way too much thc in them but they don't know because it tastes really good and they don't it doesn't hit them right away it takes a little bit longer than if you smoked a bowl and you're like oh i'm starting to feel it already now this is going to take like a half hour to an hour for it to kick in and then you start turning into terry shibo <laughs> but that's okay you go up to monroe michigan get off the highway of 75 in Monroe. And I, I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but I'm, I, since I'm putting this on YouTube and talking about this uh, for a different audience, you get off there. And the first thing you see is a pot shop that used to be a Texas roadhouse, which is next door to a pot shop that used to be a Wendy's that's across the street from a gas station that has a Taco Bell. And that's because the Taco Bell moved from its original location, which was next door, and that's now a pot shop. So immediately you have three pot shops and a Taco Bell. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Like you got to have you got to have something to eat if you're going to get all this weed. Then you go down the street. There's another pot shop that I think used to be a Burger King and then a, a shopping center that had a Levi outlet and had uh, probably a, 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 a a Gap store and an Adidas store and God only knows what. Well, since closed, then there's an escape room and a couple of pot shops. It's just, it, and again, I my morality when it comes to a lot of this, I it, we've thrown morals out the window. So I'm like, whatever, we're living in this new world now where again, can't have advertising for tobacco, but all the way up 75 from the Toledo border, all the way up to Detroit, and into Flint and everything is, you like smoking weed? Get off at exit two. We've got all the weed you could ever want. And we're going to tax the crap out of you <laughs> over it. It's a lot in taxes. Um, it's, it's just fascinating how we is, have degenerated our whatever morals, but we don't have morals. But it's okay. But I don't care about tobacco advertising. I don't care about marijuana. I don't care about all that. But we we culturally have said, no, you can't advertise this, but you can advertise that. That's OK. That's OK. Marijuana. And uh, uh, because, again, this is not your regular marijuana. This isn't just smoking weed. You feel kind of funny for a little bit. And uh, maybe you eat some snacks and watch H.R. Puff and stuff. S Sid and Marty Croft shows and movies. No, it's not the same way. It's I mean, these are people that are doing, you know. Again, I, I don't care if you want to smoke weed, you do God, God help you. Enjoy yourselves. You want you want to do heroin? Okay, whatever. I don't I think it should be decriminalized. I don't really care much about that. But it just kind of goes to prove where we decide more like like if somebody said, you know what? I'm gonna put a big Newport cigarette advertisement on the side of the freeway. They they decide they bought it and they and they're like, you know what? We're gonna advertise cigarettes. There's gonna be a public outcry. But I guarantee you, cross the highway, there's a vape thing, and there's nobody who has anything to say about it. Why is that okay? Why is one okay and one's not? It's because people above us have decided that's good and that's bad. I don't get it. I really, really, really don't get it. So let's go back in time when it came to cigarette advertising as I share the screen of the Marlboro Man that overlooked Sunset Boulevard. So if you're watching on the video here, so on the Sunset Strip for, gosh, I think it was from like the 50s into the late 90s, maybe the 60s into the late 90s, you had the Marlboro Man. They had a big Marlboro advertisement that was right next to the Chateau Marmont when you're going from L.A. proper to West Hollywood. Oh, excuse me. Had a cigarette break there. <laughs> the Marlboro Man, which was usually this rugged cowboy which is, you know, usually a struggling actor who had the face for 
rugged advertising and was probably an extra in Bonanza or um, it was in it was in Rio Bravo as like, a you know, the third guy on the ranch. <laughs> and they would they would have those guys be the the face of and there was there were several Marlboro men over the years, Marlboro men over the years. But it just it had that look. Well, why? Well, like, how did that start? Well, originally, Marlboro cigarettes had you had the you had filter and non-filtered cigarettes. And I know my grandparents smoked non-filtered cigarettes, which is surprisingly my, my grandfather, who died in 1990, had liver cancer. Surprisingly, he didn't have lung cancer after all the non-filtered cigarettes that he smoked over the years. He had liver cancer. So again, one vice for another. And, and, and by the way, all the Marlboro men, I think they're all dead from lung cancer, too, because they, pro they probably got free cigarettes and just smoked them up. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're the Marlboro man. Here's your card. This will get you free cigarettes anytime you want. And then fast forward like 30 years later, it's like another Marlboro man dead at the age of 64. This is, you know, Cletus, whatever. <laughs> Cletus Johnson. He was a Marlboro man from 1964 to 1972 as dead from lung cancer. Oh, okay. Well, same old story. But this hulking billboard hovered over the Sunset Strip and it actually became very iconic. They changed it a couple of times over the years, but it was an iconic feature when you go up and down the strip that that was a big thing, especially in the 1970s of putting album releases on billboards up and down the way or a comedy special or uh, well, that was more so the 1980s when it came to HBO and like if Rodney Dangerfield had a new special. But this thing next to the Chateau Marmont would loom over and it was so iconic for three and a half decades. And uh, 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 the kind of the reason they came up with Marlboro and Philip Morris came up with Marlboro was it was a way to advertise filtered cigarettes because filtered cigarettes were for women or for a very effeminate men. And it was a, a, a long um, researched advertising campaign of what can we do to make the real guys want to smoke filtered cigarettes? That's all it was. So it wasn't, hey, let's come up with this cowboy image. So we, we can't have cigarettes just for women, like Virginia Slims, who was smoking those, usually women, um, and filtered cigarettes for Because guys, you know, I like a pot of black coffee and give me my filtered cigarette, my unfiltered cigarettes. Well, what's a way to get that is to take away the stigma of being gay or being effeminate or being a woman and have a filtered cigarette. I mean, look, look, I mean, in this video or it, well, on the video here on this still image, you see a filter on that cigarette right there. So that's kind of the way it's basically like, look, even cowboys, even cattle ranchers are smoking filtered cigarettes. So can you, Oh, you work in a, you work on a truck. Well, Hey, by the way, Marlboro has a new, uh, so that was one of the ways and it just kind of took off. So if you read a Sports Illustrated in 19, let's say 1978, you open up the cover, you open it up and it's like Mike Schmidt from the Phillies on the front. And on the back, it was usually the Marlboro man on a horse trying to lasso uh, a, a horse or a bull or it's, the, you know, the, the like it's in Helena, Montana and the, the, the mountains and the snow covered, the snow caps up there. It was a it was a great advertisement for filtered cigarettes but it made it seem like you were more than just it was, it was what whether you like it or not it was great advertising it made it seem like hey guys you, just this feeling of if you go over to your local gas station and get a pack of cigarettes it's going to make you feel like you too are in north dakota on the plains and you have your farm and you're going out every morning to feed the colts <laughs> it's like Yes, it's looking back, it's silly when you really start to break it down, but it was a great ad campaign at one time. Well, others tried to jump in on that too. You had, like I said, cool cigarettes. You had Newports where, let's be honest, Newports, they really just decided to target black people. Newports and cool. It was, hey, black people, here's menthol cigarettes. Go go check it out. I mean, let's be honest here. <laughs> and And I noticed that they did that menthol cigarette ban. I'm like, huh. So it's just targeting black people. That's, that seems kind of racist, if you ask me. 
well by the 1980s so yeah here's a couple more pictures of the uh, marlboro man and so the marlboro man came down in 1999 and they changed the ad to this if you can see on the screen it's the it's a different cowboy so yeah here's chateau marmont over here and Look at this. Oh, oh, it's an absolute vodka brand. But they had to change the cigarette advertising to a cowboy that looks like the Marlboro Man. He's got his denim jacket and he's got his big belt, big belt buckle. And it says impotent. Instead of Marlboro, it says impotent. So if you notice, he has a cigarette that's very limp there. Kind of reminds you of a flaccid penis, right? Because that's what they said. Smoking is going to make you impotent at, one at some point. So that was one of their things. And then after that, I think it was Sky Vodka or Stoli took that area. Because again, we're trading one vice for another. Cigarettes, bad. Booze, good. Yeah, the number one, basically one of the biggest killers in America is alcohol abuse, whether it's from all the other reasons, like somebody who kills somebody in a car crash or kills themselves in a car crash to the amount of physical abuse that happens in this country. And again, I'm a drinker. I like to drink. I'm not drinking now when I'm recording this, uh, doing dry January. Um, but uh, I have no problem with alcohol advertising or cigarette or any of that because, again, I'm a libertarian, and I uh, I don't think we should be getting our morals from, from advertising anyways because they have no morals. So, again, we replaced the Marlboro ad with other things that kind of pop up. Well, by the 1980s, others wanted to cash in on that. So we have Joe Camel. So Camel cigarettes for a long time, had been around for a long time, decided to revamp their campaign with a cartoon. And so I think if you're of a certain age, if you're under the age of, uh, I don't even know if anyone 30 remembers, re really remembers seeing Joe Camel. I, I do. And in fact, Joe Camel was only around maybe 10 years. It was like from 87 to 97. But I remember going to a Kmart or other places and they would have Joe Camel very, very often out in the open. And what they did was they took the concept of the Marlboro Man, but they made him cooler. Instead of being out on a ranch, Joe Camel could be anything. Joe Camel ended up being like a, 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 a trying to think like, basically like Mickey Mouse, is that you could put Mickey Mouse or Bugs Bunny in any certain situation and it would be kind of cool. So Bugs Bunny could, you know, play baseball. Bugs Bunny could be just, you know, hanging cool and eating a carrot. So they said that, well, like, well, wait a second. How about we have Joe Camel? He's going to be our guy where he'll be in this one. He's playing the piano. See, he's really cool. Another, he's on a motorcycle wearing a leather jacket, wearing sunglasses and uh, shooting pools, a couple others. Uh, or he's got like a, a, a sports car with a blonde woman on there and, you know. It just it that's what they did with Joe Camel was, hey, we're going to take this. Uh, <laughs> just looking at all these things like <laughs> the Google images, but it was usually that's the one. These were the ones I would always see is that he was shooting pool and had a cigarette in his mouth. So there was a study. I, I don't really know how well the, uh, the research the study was, but they said by 1991, kids could recognize Joe Camel quicker than they can recognize Mickey Mouse and Fred Flintstone. And again, I don't know how truthful that was. I don't know where they found that study, but I'm not saying I don't believe that, but did that get a whole generation of kids to start smoking camels? Well, I, I don't know that. Was the goal for camel cigarettes to young up their advertising? Of course it was. Let's not be blind here. Why did they make a cartoon? Well, like who 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 are cartoons generally targeting? A cartoon is generally targeting children. Yes, you have The Simpsons, King of the Hill, Family Guy, uh, South Park, uh, in the, the all the Adult Swim shows. A lot of those are targeted towards teens and, and adults. But cartoons for especially at that time in the eighties were specifically targeting children, and so a kid sees a cartoon and wants to emulate said cartoon. Of course, that's why they did it. Of course, because again, morality in, in advertising, 
not just tobacco advertising, morality and advertising way out the window. As Bill Hicks said that, he said, if you work in marketing and advertising, you should kill yourselves. He says, please do it, kill yourselves. Uh, so, hey, honey, how was your day? Oh, we uh, created arsenic flavored baby food. Good night, honey. <laughs> Just hilarious. So yes, of course, they came up with the camel because for a long time, camel cigarettes did have a camel like it is now. It's just a camel. It's not it's not a camel shooting pool and riding motorcycles. It's just a camel. That's what it was for a hundred years before then. They decided, hey, let's young it up. Let's find a way. We see what the Marlboro Man is doing. Why can't Joe Camel do that and more? Look, he's a cool guy. Looks like Jay-Z. He's playing the piano. He's wearing a white tuxedo. What a cool what a cool dude he is. And then eventually people kind of caught on. Well, they I think they caught on pretty quick, but it was kind of cool. I remember in high school, my friend Sean uh, had a camel, say like a Joe Camel tie. So we went to a Catholic, well, I went to a Catholic high school for one year and then I went to a public high school, even though the uh, Catholic high school was basically a public high school with uniforms. That was it. There was really no difference other than we prayed sometimes and wore ties and the girls would wear skirts. They were way too short and sometimes not have anything. <laughs> Anyways, not to reminisce over my my uh, my halcyon days. Um but he wore a Joe Camel tie, which he was told to take off after like one period. And, and then in those days, you had the Camel rewards, you had the Marlboro rewards. I remember my mom had a Marlboro t-shirt. I think she still has it. And you would get those. The more you would smoke, you would get the Marlboro rewards. So you cut out the little ticket or whatever it was, the kind of like the box tops on the cereal. And you would send it away and you're like, hey, I smoked 72 packs of cigarettes today. What do I get? Oh, I got a tent. I got a parka or I got a I got a Marlboro windbreaker, a red windbreaker that has the little Marlboro ad. And you can still find those. I'm sure I, I think we still have a Marlboro jacket at my parents' house right now. Just like everything. Well, that's bad. But Pepsi, you get the Pepsi ads, except for getting the jet. You can't get the jet saw that documentary the pepsi jet like again pepsi's is pepsi better for you the the individual than smoking I, I guess but if you drink a lot of pepsi and you send away for your rewards you're going to have some kind of health problems if you're going to drink that much pepsi and what it does to you i mean they've talked about how coca-cola or pepsi you can put a a, a dirty screw or a, or a dirty nail into a cup or a jar of Pepsi or Coke. And then a couple of days later, it completely cleans it off. That's what it does to you. None of this is healthy. Fast food advertising, as much as we want to hip it up and make it cool. Now, I love fast food. I love terrible food for you. But wow. Wow, man. I mean... We have traded our vices for other vices because we think it's it's like the diet craze. It's like, oh, no, see, I'm going to get a Big Mac. I'm going to get a supersized fry. Again, I'm using an old example. I'm going to get a Big Mac, a large fry, apple pie, a 20-piece nuggets, and a Diet Coke because I'm watching my weight. That's what we've done is we've traded that we think that these other options are healthier. And then, of course, as time goes on, we realize those healthier options were not actually healthier. In fact, sometimes they were even worse or not as healthy as that we, we were led on to believe they are. And it's a funny thing when it comes to advertising. So I, I, I look, am I saying that we should start erecting and start campaigning for Marlboro and Joe Camel ads to come back into the public consciousness? No, I'm not advocating any of that. I don't, if it does happen, I don't care. Go for it. You know, I, it, all those electronic billboards, you can't put a five second Marlboro ad up there or a, or a Newport ad. You can't do that. Is that really, is a five second ad going to really make people go, you know what? All this time I haven't smoked in years, but I saw that five second ad on Interstate 90 today. And now that's all I want to do is I want to smoke. No but it depends on the advertising. I'm always fascinated by how people are taken in by advertising. 
I made a joke years ago. Remember when they started using celebrities as Colonel Sanders in the KFC ads? That they had Norm Macdonald and they had Daryl Hammond and um, I think George, George Hamilton was the crispy colonel because he's all tan. And I think they've had a woman and they've probably had black people as the colonel, whatever, it doesn't matter. And I kept thinking to myself, yeah, I love Norm Macdonald. I would have loved to if they, if they had Gilbert Gottfried or some other wacky comedian be a colonel for a little bit. Wasn't Jim Gaffigan a colonel? I don't know. I don't remember. This is years ago now. And I made a joke. I said, if Gilbert Gottfried were the next colonel, then I'm going to KFC today. But it was a joke because I don't care who the colonel is. I don't go to K. I'm not a big KFC guy. But who is watching an ad and going, you know what? Now, sometimes some ads, especially if they are well done and they really show how tasty a burger is. Like I'll watch a rallies ad and they'll show the big Buford or checkers, depending on where you're at in the country. And they show a big Buford and the cheese and the bacon. And I and look, I've been to, I was at rallies a couple of weeks ago. It's not as good as it looks on television, just like everything else, like a Whopper, like a Big Mac, like everything. It's not as good, but they make it advertising. So you would go there and go, Ooh, rallies. They put fries on the burger. What is this? Was Pittsburgh? Is this Pennsylvania where they put fries on every sandwich or salads? Uh, but that looks really good. But who is taken in by advertising because Ellen DeGeneres does commercials for your cable company? Or if Norm MacDonald is doing commercials for Kentucky Fried Chicken as the colonel? Like who's taken in by celebrity advertising? I don't know. Apparently, they keep doing it. They keep paying boatloads of money. Hey, we have HP. Let's have Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Gosh, you know, I really I was looking to go with Apple, but I'm going to go with HP just because I love Big Bang Theory and Sheldon is doing the commercials. I don't get that. I really don't. I don't understand where that comes from. If that if, it, can somebody in marketing, somebody in advertising 101 explain to me what the purpose of having celebrity endorsements for things nowadays. I, I could understand at a time when you didn't see celebrities as much as we do now, where if Orson Welles, I just saw one today. It was Orson Welles hawking marshmallow peeps. <laughs> but Orson did that for everything because he made one classic movie and had a radio show of War of the Worlds and essentially lived off of that for the next 40, what, almost 50 years from like 1938 until he died in the mid 1980s. Uh, whether it's, oh, French champagne. Hey, Paul Masson, or he's advertising frozen peas. It, it was it was hilarious because he clearly needed the money and he was usually drunk when he was doing those. But I can understand at one time you say, huh, I was in the mood for vodka, but because Frank Sinatra is advertising this specific vodka, now I'm going to go with the Frank Sinatra. Who's still, by 2023, taken in by celebrity advertising? Who is still taken in by a Marlboro man? I find the ads fascinating, but who, if you were like this union blue collar dude in 1968 and you were driving up along the freeway and you see come to Marlboro country and you see a cowboy with a 10 gallon hat, large belt buckle, denim jacket, and he's got a rope because he's going to lasso a couple of ponies today. And you're thinking, gosh, I want to be like that, that guy, that rancher huh, I'm in the mood for some cigarettes. Maybe that was the case in the 60s, but who's still taken in by that right now? So this is why I'm not in advertising. I don't want to be a part of advertising. This is why I don't do sales. I When I my years working in radio, that was one thing I did not do was sell my product. Every time I would mention that, I said, Tony, you would make a good salesman. I said, I would be too honest. I said, no, that's exactly why you need to do sales because you're honesty. It's like, no. Sales is not honest. None of, marketing, advertising, sales, anything like that. The, the mission statement is to lie. <laughs> wow. But kind of all this came from uh, uh, my tweet. And I'd been thinking about that for a while, especially it was mainly during COVID. And during COVID, I started watching a lot of old, during the lockdowns, watching a lot of old 
football documentaries and baseball documentaries. And I would see in the background, the Marlboro man. And I realized, huh? And I started watching more. This is what I grew up with. This is the good stuff. The games were more competitive. You had players playing every game. Like, I mean, Cal Ripken played every day for 15 years, 15, 16 years. Didn't sit out a game from night from like May of 82 until September of 96. Never missed a game. Think he was overrated. Think he probably should have sat a couple of times and the Orioles would have won a couple more World Series instead of just one in 1983. But I think, uh, uh, and then he's, what I mentioned about Reggie Jackson hitting the home run and others and a lot of great moments in sports. It reminded me of a, I guess a better time in my life, a better time in a lot of people's lives, a much more simpler time, pre-internet, pre-smartphone, pre-all of what we're dealing with in today's culture. And I thought, it, and especially when it came to sports, it made sports, I don't want to say the Marlboro Man specifically made sports better, but it just so happened that sports seemed to be better. And oh, by the way, in the background, there was a Marlboro Man. Instead, here's what we have today. When I, I'm recording this, by the way, January 20th. So the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors are to play on this particular evening. So the Warriors uh, are resting Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, Iguodala, and Wiseman because they played. They don't want to play a back-to-back. God forbid they played in overtime the night before. And why would you want to play in a back-to-back? Well, the NBA, that, that's what happens nowadays. And this is, this is really what bothers me. This is why the NBA, I, I can't stand it, is you would have LeBron – I remember this from a couple of years ago was that uh, the Cavaliers, when LeBron James was playing with the Cavs, they were playing in Memphis. And if you know where Memphis is located geographically is right on that Western tip on the Mississippi river in Tennessee. So that means you can conceivably get people who drive from Arkansas, which is just across the river, maybe Oklahoma, maybe some of these other places, Mississippi, Alabama, even some places where the Memphis Grizzlies are the only team in that area to, until you get to Atlanta, Charlotte, all the way up towards, what, Indianapolis, Oklahoma City, uh, Miami. There's no basketball team in that area. So people, if they love LeBron James or they love whoever big player Kevin Durant or Steph Curry at the time, and I remember the story of these fans that got really upset because they drove four hours to go to Memphis, Tennessee, because their favorite player was LeBron James. And LeBron said, yeah, I'm not playing game two of the back-to-back. Nah, I'm LeBron James. I can do whatever I want right now. And I'm going to sit out tonight. So those fans that wanted to see him may have gotten to see him in a suit on the sidelines. Instead, they had Richard Jefferson at starting small forward that night. And I thought that was BS. I thought that was bullcrap. That LeBron did that, but that's the way the NBA is. They sit their starters because they're like, well, we're, you know, we're getting ready for the playoffs. We don't want our guys are our guys injured. I'm sorry, but in the days when the Marlboro man was on the scoreboard, Michael Jordan would drive to the hole against Bill Lambeer, Rick Mahorn, Isaiah Thomas, Vinny Microwave Johnson, John Sally, Dennis Rodman. And he wouldn't get the superstar calls. Remember the Jordan rules? He would get smacked down. And then he would play the next night. These guys, unless they were truly, truly injured, they're going to play because there was a more competitive time in our country. Way better time, not as soft, way different culture. Nowadays, yeah, you know, we played in overtime last night, so I'm not going to play tomorrow. Well, what about that fan who can't afford tickets to go? Like, what what if that kid, his favorite player was Steph Curry? And the family doesn't make a lot of money. Kid wants to go see the Warriors. He he's grown up in the last few years of the Warriors being really good, and they want to go see Steph. They want to see Clay Thompson. They want to see Draymond Green. They want to they want to see these guys. These were some of the best players that they he grew up with watching, and they're like, uh, you know what? I'm not feeling it. Oh, when do we play next? So uh, Monday. Yeah, I could take a couple of days off. So I'm not gonna play. Screw you, kid. Screw you. I know. I know. You paid an arm and a leg to go see me. And, uh, and my teammates play, but now we don't care about you. They don't care about you. They really don't. So that's why I think in, at one time, sports was way more competitive and way better, way more enjoyable. And it just so happened during that time, the Marlboro Man happened to be on most of the scoreboards. So what have we learned here in this podcast? 
we learned that uh, things things used to be better. We used to be way better society, and this is what we're left with. And we've traded in one vice for another. That it's okay to advertise tobacco, or uh, not. It's okay to advertise tobacco as long as it's in vaping products. It's okay to advertise alcohol and and glorify it in our society. Now we may not have in the Foster Brooks type of drunks on TV where there were the or Otis from Andy Griffith's show, the lovable drunk. We don't have that, but we still glorify in our culture of drinking. Trust me, I I drink and it's glorified in our culture of how oh, that guy's drunk. It's really funny instead of it being kind of sad. Um, but that's the that's the way we are. That's the way we are. Sadly, in our culture. So uh, uh, I, I just I really wanted to do this podcast just because I I I, I feel a weird feeling of nostalgia when I look at those pictures the, uh, of like a time of me growing up and my mom again still smoking she still smokes Marlboros in fact to the point where a couple of years ago my mom's like what do you want what do you want for your birthday and I said I want a phone case that looks like a pack of Marlboros. So my iPhone has a Marlboro case and I could put it if I had a pocket, stick it right here because what's a what's a worse addiction right now? Is it the cigarettes or is it this phone? So I just thought I wanted to do a kind of a, a different podcast where we talk about sports and advertising and different than my usual newsworthy stuff or uh, about uh, about a specific sport in general. I just think it was a, a better time. That was the MAGA that I'm looking for. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and uh, possibly watching this podcast here on uh, Patreon or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tony Mazur. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. Subscribe for as little as five bucks a month and you get podcasts like this and so many others all across the spectrum of ideas and ideals that rattle around in my brain. So for all of us here at the Check Your Brain podcast, which is just me because uh, this is a one-man operation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And I'll talk to you folks very, very soon. Bye now.